All right, all right, all right. So, hello everybody. It's 6.59 p.m. on the East Coast. It is July 25th, 2022. A new week. Last week in July. We are now jumping into August together. Next Monday is the first. Still got seven days left. What's going to happen in the month of July? Well, we're going to jump around to a lot of different things tonight. We've got a wonderful guest. A guest so many of you love. That is, of course, Mr. Rich Barris, peoplespunditdaily.com. The People's Pundit. Um, We're going to talk about polling. We're going to talk about this Civil War stuff. Because it's not just something that you find in the... You know, being discussed by schizos on the on the boards and whatever. It's not that anymore. It's just it's constant banter in the corporate media. So I want to talk about that. What do you think? And then I I'll, I will also bring up the thread that everybody I teased everybody with a couple of weeks ago and haven't had time to do. So we'll do that in the second half, among other things. So much to do in the opening. So we just got to get started. I want to thank my sponsors tonight. BlueMonsterPrep.com. Keep prepping. Just when you thought you had enough, get just a little bit more. Extras. Make sure that you have one of everything when it comes to first aid, when it comes to a little bit of food, a little bit of uh, water filtration, a little bit of all that stuff. And then you just start cycling around. You get one more of each until you have enough. And then when you know you have totally enough for everybody in your household, then you got to start thinking about everybody in your life who's just like, oh, stop. Because those are the ones you're going to have to carry on your fucking back, which which sucks because there's so many of them out there and not everybody's going to get food. But just, you know, it's good. It's good to be positive about things and hopefully nothing happens. But in the meantime, get yourself insured in the best way possible. Go to BlueMonsterPrep.com and if you need help prioritizing and planning, get in touch with Pat and Gina at BlueMonsterPrep.com. They are responsive. They are positive. They are wonderful at customer service, and they are members of this audience. So they have you guys are kindred spirit already. So just throw that out there, and all of a sudden you have new friends for life. All right, so who do we have coming up this week? Today, Rich Barris. Tomorrow, Chris Ann Hall is going to be on with us in the first half. I have a couple of questions for her that I'd like to get back around to. And then in the second half, tomorrow, we're going to have the Zells come back on because there are updates coming out of Utah from their sources on the ground. They have actual sources on the ground. And they also, we're also going to be talking about the um, the Franklin School because that's been in the news now too. That's been in the news again too, so we'll do that tomorrow. On the 27th, Wednesday, Jim Lee is coming back, climateviewer.com. They're ramping up the climate catastrophe stuff again with the space bubbles and the World Economic Forum saying that we have to hurry up Agenda 2030. So Jim Lee is going to be coming on. On Wednesday, we'll be talking about the weather again. On Thursday, Thursday, I believe Rob will be in. On the 29th, this Saturday, this Friday, Human Vibration is going to be coming on with us. I uh, I was suggested Human Vibration as a guest for like a Friday night because somebody in the audience said, Frank, you have to talk to this, this woman. Uh, she has a theory that the color pink isn't real. I said, what? What are you talking about? Anyway, I'll be packing a hookah that night and we're just going to be chilling. 
Next week, next week, I have Roseanne Barr coming back. We have Danny Katz coming back. Matt Christensen will be on. We got, you know, Nick Fad is coming on. George Alexopoulos after that. Norbin Laden will be coming back in mid-month next, next month. Ping Trip. Uh, Leo Zagami. Jason Burmis. That's just everything so far. There's a lot more in the works, and I hope that you're here to, to hang out and, and have a good time. So your first time watching? Do everything you can to hold on to this show because I might, if you're watching on YouTube, don't get used to it. You just never know. Just remember, 7 o'clock p.m. Monday through Friday on QuiteFrankly.tv, and all your viewing options are right there. I'd also like to put out there real quick that last night at 12 midnight, 12 midnight, July 25th, 2022, I did what I told you all I was going to do, and I, was, I uploaded the entire book club serial for Windswept House. So right now on the front page of the, quite frankly, YouTube channel, there is another playlist there, and that is the book club, Windswept House, 12 installments. So if you ever want to buy the book one day, you can read along. You can get the chapter assignments from the, the videos. There are the active threads in there in the description, so you can go and put your own thing in retroactively. Um, and, then, and then that's it. Of course, when I uploaded, I woke up this morning, I had almost 200 less subs on YouTube. And I don't count subs, but I noticed that because I said, what the, what the hell happened? I don't know. I don't know. The people probably woke up and they saw 12 videos posted to my account and they're just like, they just couldn't be bothered. Like, I'm not going to watch all these. Then don't. But good riddance to bad rubbish. Who needs that kind of sensitive nonsense hypersensitivity? All right. So here we go. Let's jump into the grab bag, shall we? Grab bag and it we shall. First one up is, this is the Daily Mail, of course, um, very disturbing stuff. And I know you're all thinking the same thing, because what else is there to think? The U.S., the United States records first two child monkeypox cases. California toddler and an infant in D.C. were likely infected by household contacts, and both had contact with gay or bisexual men, the CDC chief says. What? Let's listen to what the, uh, the diversity hire, which Rochelle Walensky, had to say. Um, we do have seen now two cases that have occurred in children. She's very, very, very nervous about having to make this announcement. Both of those children um, are traced back to uh, individuals who come from the men who have sex with men community, the gay men, uh, men community. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a nervous person. That's a nervous person. Both individuals who have been traced back to now these infected children are members of the men who have sex with men community. Have you ever heard of that one before? It's the first time for me. Children um, are traced back to uh, individuals who come from the men who have sex with men community, the gay men, uh, men community. Um, and so when we have seen those cases in children, they have generally been what I call adjacent to the community most at risk. Yeah, adjacent. So it pains me to say that, uh, but this is probably the least of those children's problems. The least of it. And just to throw a little bit more out there, this is also from the CDC. As far as how you get monkeypox, they gave you three things. They're like using using uh, communal clothes and linens and you know blankets. You using all that stuff. Uh, direct contact with rashes or scabs or bodily fluids. 
respiratory secretions during prolonged face-to-face contact, during intimate physical contact such as kissing, cuddling, or sex, and pregnant people can spread the virus to their fetus through the placenta, which obviously has nothing to do with gay people. But um, there, so I don't know if there is anything warranted of an, an investigation here. But God be with those children, obviously. Uh, all right, moving on from there. Moving on from there, a mysterious red glow over the, the Atlantic Ocean leaves a pilot baffled. This is from interestingengineering.com. We all see mesmerizing views. Look at that. What is that? We all see mesmerizing views when flying, but some are more exceptional than others. A a pilot flying over the Atlantic Ocean noticed one of these. According to a post shared on Reddit, the caption says, Mysterious red glow seen over the Atlantic. Pilot says he's never seen anything like it. The images show an almost frightening red glow that cannot be explained. This did not stop people from commenting on the thread with their own thoughts on what the phenomenon may be. Quote, Many fishing vessels have never clustered so much to concentrate so much light. Three possible scenarios. Fish populations down to small concentrations. What? Fish populations make that happen? That. Number two. Chinese fishing boats have fished out the Pacific and are now factory fishing in the Atlantic. And number three, the Atlantic-based fishing boats have adopted China factory fishing strategy. None of these are good outcomes. Good luck to those fish, one Redditor said. What does this have to do with fish? Let me read it again. Maybe fishing vessels have never clustered so much to concentrate so much light. That? Fishing vessels underneath, I mean, on the surface of the water? would create that kind of a glow on the top of cloud cover? Others ventured a guess that it also may be the end times. Yes, I'm I'm going with that. If I'm not wrong, the first Doom game was set in 2022. So this is it. Here comes the demons. There's the end, said another Redditor. It's so hot, the ocean is getting wildfires now, said one insightful commenter. Many have made comparisons to the TV series Stranger Things. And a similar sightings happened in 2014. If you understand, if you, are, if you are either someone who works in the ocean, one reason or another, a fisherman, a driller, anything like that, or a pilot who has seen this before and knows exactly what it is, please let us know. Maybe we can get an answer before they do. Here's another headline from Japan. Marauding monkeys injure 42 people in Japanese city. Monkeys be marauding. Japanese uh, macaws are seen commonly across the... I think that's how you say Macau? Macaws? I forget it are seen commonly across large parts of the country and are a pest in some areas, eating crops and even entering homes. But a spate of monkey attacks in the city of western Japan has been unusual, with adults and children suffering wounds, including scratches and bites. All of Yamaguchi City is surrounded by mountains, and it's not rare to see monkeys, a city official from the Agricultural Department told the Associated Foreign Press, declining to give her name. Doesn't want to, no, doesn't want her name, doesn't want the monkeys to find out. 
but it's rare to see this many attacks in a short period of time. The injuries have so far been largely mild, but authorities are now turning to tranquilizer guns after traps they set failed to ensnare any of the pesky primates. This is... This is something else. You remember all the monkeys in India that were killing dogs? There's something going on. Um, I also saw this... I don't know if you noticed it today. Um, if some of you still dabble in Twitter, I do. Because I like to... There's still a lot of people on there that are threading fantastically. There's still a good source of of uh, thoughts and, and information and all that stuff. So even if I was kicked off, I would have a DL account just so that I can see what the hell's going on. But she is a, she is a Nazi. She is a Nazi. That's been trending for a lot a lot of the day today. Um, and so I went to go look at what what are these disabled midwits going on about today? She is a Nazi. Who's she? And of course, it's the only she that they talk about these days. It's Marjorie Taylor Greene because she said that she is a Christian nationalist and that um, and because, of course, the left is so scared of Christianity, they have been they have been publishing articles ad nauseum about the, the how we should all be very worried about the rise of white Christian nationalism, how it's a, an affront to everything good in the world, though nothing in the world is very good. And that more so uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene says she's a Christian who believes in prioritizing the interests of her home and believes that there is a certain level of divine providence at work here in the United States from, its, from the onset. And as we all know, a Christian who prioritizes their country's needs over all others is far more dangerous than the uh, atheist transhuman globalism front. That's far more dangerous. So they call her a Nazi. That's, that's the way it goes down. Now, Muslims do the same thing. Muslims prioritize their, their, their countries and their cultures first and foremost. They're far more devout than most Christians these days, number one. And, of course, things like women's rights just don't exist in those countries either. But that ain't a thing. That ain't a thing. Actually, don't even bring it up, bigot. Because we're bored Americans. We're completely bored. Everything. Everything needs to be life or death or what else is there to do? Read? Can't read a book. Most of the books are fascist. Nazi propaganda, of course. Can't do that. So these are largely disabled people. Always remember it. Whenever you see something trending on the Twitter cork board, it's only it's always the same two to fifteen thousand people, largely disabled people. They don't care. They don't care to care. Uh, you, you know, also today, satanic panic was trending as well. And the feed, if you went and checked out the hashtag and and monitored what was coming in, the feed was was ninety nine percent. It was really ironic. Ninety nine percent unwitting. Satanists, unwitting Satanists of all ages, completely self-indulgent, identity addicts, all naturally militant toward Christianity. That just comes natural to them at this point. And they were unironically, all of them were unironically making remarks about how the Satanic panic of the 1980s and 90s was all horseshit. Meanwhile, here they are in the trash, in the, uh, in, yeah, the trash tag feed the godless children of the corn, the living proof that it wasn't all bullshit, 
but it's hilarious. And, 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 you know, these people weren't designed to be self-aware. Always have to remember that because if they were self-aware, they'd put two and two together. They put many twos and twos together because they want to put, they would realize, hmm, we want to put everybody on lists. They want to put everybody on lists. They investigate and they smear enemies without end, without end. They love eugenics. They cherish abortion. It's a ritual. It's a rite of passage. It's a celebratory event. They have largely infiltrated and secularized Christianity to serve their social engineering objectives. I, I, I don't mean, I don't know if you need anything else. Uh, he, this is Pope Francis today. This is Pope Francis today wearing an Indian headdress. He went to Canada to um, to apologize for all of the abuse and molestation from prior generations of Satanists that took over the uh, the Vatican. There's, I mean, there's not enough time to even go into everything wrong with this display. I mean, look at look at what they did, the left did to the Catholic Church, and this is the church that built the West by and large. Whether you're Catholic or not, you have to. Um, you have to admit that. And now this is what this is what it is now. It's a burning pile of satanic trash. And that's the Pope wearing an Indian headdress. That's it. And you know who did all that, by the way? The Nazis. The Nazis did all that stuff that these people would understand exemplifies them if they had any sense of self-awareness. In fact, if you want to, Go check out what the National Socialists did when they came up with a concept called positive Christianity. You can read the cliff notes about it on Wikipedia if you want, just to get something. Okay, you should go check it out. What they did with, how how they took Christianity and they removed the the obligation, the the, the foundation of the, of the entire thing, which is belief that Jesus is the son of man, the son of God, and... Um, and uh, they took all that out, and they, of course, put the state as the central figure in the entire thing. And it was a way to almost like bridge the gap between the Reich and all of the German churches out there to try to try to do something there. But you have to really check it out. You also should check out the Nazi Green Movement, which is a lot more the same. So that's that's what you have today. She is a Nazi, and Satanic Panic. Just another day in purgatory over here, surrounded by the woefully stupid. We will be right back. Don't go anywhere. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride!
another hot one today. Not as hot as the last four or five days, but still, you need gills to go out there. And we had some rain. I think some more rain is coming later on. And hello, hello. Welcome to the show. Okay, so it's 719, and I want to put this out there. It's a small, short article, and I think it can set the set the the table. Hold on a second. Set the table for Rich Barris pretty nicely, who comes on in about five minutes or so, and then we'll just ride it out. Here's from The Hill. Not 4chan, not GLP. Nearly one in three Americans say it may soon be necessary to take up arms against the government. A majority of, American, of Americans say the U.S. government is corrupt, and almost a third say it may soon be necessary to take up arms against it, according to a new poll from the University of Chicago's Institute of Politics. Two-thirds of Republicans and independents say the government is corrupt and rigged against everyday people like me, according to the poll, compared to 51% of liberal voters who are just have their heads up their asses. 28% of all voters, including 37% of gun owners, agreed it may, nece- may be necessary at some point soon for citizens to take up arms against the government, a view that is held for by about 35% of Republicans and around 35% of independents. One in five Democrats concurred. Hmm. The findings come from a House committee investigation or a House committee investigating the January 6, 2021 riots. Oh... Uh, They wrapped up uh, in its final hearing of the summer, seeking to place former President Trump at the heart of the efforts to overturn 2020 election. The panel also said Trump readily accepted and even encouraged the attack from his supporters. Well, they have to say that or else what the hell's the point of doing any of this? Um, You you saw Liz Cheney even admit that they are not they're not allowing any contradictory evidence into into their little broadcast production here. The panel also said Trump readily accepted blah, blah, blah. Despite the hearings, Trump still enjoys broad support among uh, Republicans and are, uh, who are most concerned about inflation, education, and crime than they are about January 6th. Anybody with a brain is not concerned about January 6th. About, in fact, they should be concerned about it now, but for the opposite reason. It's, it's exposing the obsessive nanny state freaks. That will not stop until every decent person in this country that has an independent thought that runs aground or runs afoul of any, any of the tenets of this new government they have, that they have slowly created over the years, over the last hundred years or so, until all those people are linked, inextricably linked to, to terrorist mentality. That's what this is about. And I hate that, that Dick Cheney and drag Liz Cheney. I cannot stand her. About 56% of Americans say elections are fair and accurate. Those 56 are dumb. But that number falls to 33% among Republicans, according to the Chicago University poll. The division between conservatives and liberals across the country is only growing. Yeah, well, I'm going to ask uh, Rich about this, just the, the polling for this in general. i got to ask him about the polling for this in general. But that's another thing to keep asking. Is that, that confrontation between people and the government going to come? Well, 
I'm going to I'm going to read you a little bit of something here, and this is what we'll get into the second half when we talk a little bit more about civil war scenarios and hypotheticals. Even Rand Paul recently said that there is going to come a day of reckoning. People will rise up. He said Senator Paul vowed this past weekend that a day of reckoning is coming for Democrats because Americans are sick and tired of spiraling crime and violence dominating their cities. Of course, he's talking about um, electoral reckoning. He's not talking about civil war, but he is. This does go back to talk to show the differences in what people are seeing and um, and everything else. I can't wait to play the stuff that was coming out of Eric Adams in New York City. How how Democrats in New York City are now even concerned about the hordes and hordes of illegal aliens that are being trafficked from the southern border up into D.C. and New York City, and warning everybody, everybody's life is going to change. Which, I, at this point, I'm f- great. I'm happy for it. Because I mean, we've seen the writing on the wall for a long time. But what it really is going to take, and even then it's not going to change much because these people will never admit that they were wrong. Never admit that they were wrong. Ever. What's going to take is the nice, cushy, bougie, Friday night excursions and in really, really posh places in New York whether it be in Westchester or in the tri-state area like Greenwich, Connecticut and all that stuff, it's going to take those people to have their Friday nights taken away, the peace and quiet and the tranquility taken away from the consequences of their actions, that they've been able to create a nice, comfy buffer around and still feel good about what a wonderful do-gooder they are. This is going to be great because there's no way to fix the problem at this point, so... I'm even down for the Cloward Piven approach. I want to see them get shaken up. Who the hell cares at this point? So we'll see what happens. Is there anything left with for for elections to fix? Do you think that there's anything left aside from local elections? There are things you can do in your town and localities to uh, to kind of put an insulated bubble bubble around yourself. But still, he was talking about the Lee Zeldin attack. So there's so much there, so much else going on. We'll talk about that in the second half, though. That'll be fun. Everybody's been waiting for that. All right, all right. Without further delay, let's bring on our buddy, Rich. So as you all know, ladies and gentlemen, Rich Barris, peoplespunditdaily.com. He's here to do his monthly. I wish it was, everybody wishes it was more than monthly, but monthly is definitely enough for now. And then we'll just make it uh, two times a month, whatever the hell it is, when we get closer to that big day. Rich, how are you feeling as we get closer to that big day, election day, huh? You know, I'm, I'm actually feeling pretty good right now because to me, it's like a countdown here, Frank. Uh, you know, you take <laughs> when you release a poll, it's like, uh, you know, someone's going to be mad. Someone's going to be happy. Right. And uh, all you can do is kind of like just take the lumps as people are like uh, are criticizing lobbing this ridiculous criticisms and smears your way and then you just sit and kind of grin and smirk and wait to be right and <laughs> that's what i was and, and i'm i'm I, earlier today i said i don't know if people noticed but um everybody is moving in the direction of our poll in arizona everybody now is moving in that direction we can talk about that polling uh, um but it was very clear we caught that movement by carrie lake uh, right as she really start to take off. And, you know, this morning, all weekend long, nonsense, just total nonsense, my friend. 
I was just as surprised as other people to see that the, the governor's race is basically over. You know, I in, mean, in, and in, I, this I is in Arizona. To, yeah, yeah. The governor's race is over. Kerry Lake is is gonna go. She's she's way out there now. Okay. Um, you know, and and people thought that the margin was too big and that uh, would be decided, uh, you know, by by single digits. If something's decided by single digits over there, something's wrong, Frank. I don't have to tell you. So, you I, so I was going to ask. That, that was the first question I was going to ask you here. But, and then I have other questions about polling, like one article that we just did before I came on about the one in three and, and say it may be necessary to take up arms against the government and Ugh, and this yeah. widening gap between uh, Republicans and Democrats as far as, you know, is it are because I, you know, moving out of let's start with that one re- real quick, moving out of the 2020 yeah. election. And going into like late 2021, I was seeing ridiculous numbers coming out of Democrat voters higher than 30 percent that they even they even suggested or thought that something weird and something untrustworthy happened in 2020 with that election. Um, is that still the, the same or is there really that big of a stark gap between both parties? You know, what's been really interesting is how consistent those numbers have been or remained or actually got a little bit worse you know you thought over time the media constantly saying there's nothing there there's nothing there and you would think that something uh would change over time but in truth uh public opinion on this has been pretty consistent we've polled the state of georgia numerous times and we asked uh voters in the state of georgia what they believed uh happened in their state even 35 percent of democrats told us that they did believe something was awry but they didn't care really they'll take the w any way they can get it Hmm. um you know so yeah which is you know take it or leave it um but over time typically we see that stuff you know fall away and you know it's precipitous decline and the number of people will tell you that but i think democrats started something in 2016 which is they primed people for this and the truth is Democrats for a long time, ever since Bush v. Gore, have been like, every presidential election they lose, they claim has been stolen. So it's not this weird thing anymore, Frank, that people don't, um, you know, they think it's crazy or, you know, it's a conspiracy theory. Uh, you know, the truth of the matter is in 2000, Democrats didn't let it go. Uh, Bush did win re election in 2004. And Democrats objected to the electors in the Senate based on what? Some bogus analysis of the exit polls that that proclaimed uh, that there was no way George W. Bush could have won the state of Ohio, given what the exit poll said. Even the exit pollsters themselves were saying this is ludicrous. Uh, The bottom line is exit polls are flawed. We have a lot of problems. We know about their problems. So to use them as, you know, for Barbara Boxer to take them and use that argument as a way to object to the electors, which they did, by the way. Um, And then fast forward to 2016. They didn't have a single shred of evidence that Donald Trump or Vladimir Putin or anything uh, went awry in 2016. Yet Hillary Clinton became the first modern presidential candidate who lost on election night to refuse to come out and concede. That's part of the healing process that we've always you know, uh, relied upon in the peaceful transition of power. And they bucked that. They send out, send out, they trotted out John Podesta. He lied to people. There's still a lot of votes being counted. Hillary Clinton had every intention of jumping on the uh, recount bandwagon with Jill Stein. The problem is that when they started to do some recounts, they started to favor Donald Trump and his margin in Wisconsin and and, in Michigan were, were expanding in some of those recount efforts. So she jumped and bailed off that ship. 
before it went down like the Titanic and instead just started parroting on the side on shows on social media that he was illegitimate. John Lewis, a so-called revered civil rights hero, refused to go to Donald Trump's inauguration, said that uh, he was an illegitimate president. Uh, Maxine Waters said the same thing. These people uh, have basically I don't want to use the word. Well, I guess it is really the only word to use. They've they've normalized these claims even though they never themselves had any claim whatsoever in the case of 2020 hmm. you know people have they look at affidavits they look at videos they're listening to different claims they're watching movies like dinesh d'souza's movie understand that you know rachel maddow uh called donald trump illegitimate without a single shred of evidence or anything uh not you know amounting to what we have seen put forward by people uh, who support uh, the former president. So at this point, it's not weird anymore for, you know, for the voter. Back when Al Gore uh, was challenging George W. Bush, it was like, look, let it go. Uh, nobody stole the presidency. Get over it. This is dangerous for the country. And by the way, that's why people didn't do this. That's why Richard Nixon did not challenge the election. Uh, against uh, Kennedy because he was worried about what it would do to the country, even though it's pretty widely accepted now, and you know that that Nixon probably won the election, you know. But he just he left. He came back later. It, the problem I think people are having and why um, you know Democrats are emboldened, they feel like they don't have to pretend. They don't because it doesn't really matter to them. They just want to win either way. And then you have the right now that's just so angry because they feel like there are different rules for them. Yeah. And I think it's safe to say there are. There are, Frank. Absolutely. Are. Well, and that's and it's not even just about a media game anymore, Rich. It has been for a while. I think that it really all um with the emergence of Donald Trump's candidacy, we started taking we started seeing this take on much more kinetic um, you know, uh ends yeah. and conclusions. First of all, as I said before, you're talking about a group that and it's mostly bipartisan, too. I, I like when people say the, the established powers more than one party or the other, but we know where the queen spider we know where the queen spider lives, but still, it's a, it's a very bipartisan thing, and they, they just don't want the apple cart upset. But they investigate and smear enemies that they declare to be enemies without end. It is, it is obsessive. It is ongoing. Um, the latest thing that we got to see over this last week was uh, the Steve Bannon situation his his ridiculous farce of a trial what are your thoughts on all that you know i know steve yeah. uh you know, he's a, a smart guy a brilliant guy they're terrified of him uh you know that's really what this comes down to and here's uh you know these remember you know during the era of uh, the, the presidency of trump all we ever heard about from these people were how he was you know destroying the norms and institutions that make up our democracy yeah. uh, i would argue the complete opposite is the case of those who uh, oppose America first or the, you know, the movement Donald Trump uh, created or harnessed, actually, I would say is more accurate. Um, I, they're the ones who are the threats to the norms and institutions that, that hold us up as a country. Uh, they're the ones who strike at the heart of the credibility of our system, which is the pro that's how regime credibility falls and empires collapse. You know, you have this other thing that people are being blinded by their politics and they're not seeing the bigger picture here you don't like steve bannon so what the the beauty our real moral superiority frank in this country when we had it we don't have the claim anymore but when we did our real moral superiority came from a few 
founding principles and basic things. You know, the guy concept of property rights, people really should you know familiarize themselves with a little bit more the concept you know freedom of speech we all talk about pay lip service to this stuff but when it comes down to it what we did differently than everybody else we settled our political disagreements at the sovereign ballot box we did not solve them through political persecutions and the corrupt juror boxes it's totally different. That's what other countries do. That's what they did. And the truth is, there is a long history of certain political parties in this country abusing their power to go after their political opponents. But it has not been normalized like this. It has not been mainstreamed like this. Bannon wasn't even afforded a defense, Frank. He wasn't even def- afforded yeah. a defense. It was That was not an adversarial process, just like the January 6th committee is not adversarial. There's no cross-examination. He relied on executive privilege, and then once the president released him from that executive privilege, he was happy to go do it. So they basically were pr- prosecuting him, prosecuting him for a nothing burger, a complete nothing burger, and he faces two years. Meanwhile, Michael Sussman walks right out the door for the same crime that allegedly Uh, was committed by Michael Flynn and Martha Stewart, for crying out loud. So if you're a Democrat or a Democratic broker or player, uh, the the rules don't apply to you. And if Republicans, again, if Republicans want to be worthy of this majority, they they, uh, are, are so giddy over, you know, winning in November, they should immediately put forward plans and do it to reform form uh this justice system that we have we can't robert barnes and i have studied this for years it's scary there is no way for anybody who's not a lefty all right in a political case a nationalized political case there is no way for that person to get a fair trial not and it used to be you could go run to the northern district of virginia you can't even do that anymore because it's just an extension of dc the jurors are not capable of putting aside their bias. Yep. It is a certain group of people. You could show them video, Frank. I mean, again, we have done this over the years. You could show them video. You know, you could show them testimony. You could give them the facts right in front of their face. And unfortunately, it's real, it's called lucidity truth effect. Seemingly intelligent people, uh, you know, they're educated. We call them overly educated. Um, they're incapable of processing facts outside of the lens of their own belief systems, which, fine, uh, many, most of us are. That's just a reality. However, where the, pro- where the truth effect comes in is that you can show them they're wrong and they will refuse to believe yeah. that they've been lied I, well, to. It's not only that, Rich. Collusion. You, you know, in the last couple of, maybe in the last year alone, there have been several really high, maybe the last year and a half, there's been very, some very high stakes um, uh, trials going on, not least of which the the Rittenhouse trial, and it's not right. obviously you, you know that uh, a jury's being convened in D.C. You know exactly what you said. There is that going against anybody that's being tried out there, and you're going to get screwed. But it doesn't even matter. The bigger question is what happens with the rest of the country. Where do you go for a where do you go for a fair trial when a trial of of consequence is coming to yeah. the to coming to the forefront and is especially in uh, becoming a little bit more 
of a conscious thing that the country is going to be um, really paying attention to. And you have everybody from the CIA director to the president of the United States pretty much giving their opinions on what the verdict should be from the onset. And, and projecting, and of course the media, they go out there, they do their job by projecting what the reaction from people in the communities around there is going to be and, and what the right thing should do. I mean, this is, this is virtual jury tampering. It is, it is, it, it's, just, it's commonplace now. It's the only thing that ha- I It's very hard. Where do you go? Antarctica to find a, uh, a, a place yeah. to, to be tried? It's, it's sad. Yeah, that's why, you know, I would, you know, again, I, I can just put forward the evidence of what, you know, and the findings that we found, but leave it up to, the, you know, the legal minds like Robert Barnes to propose better solutions than I can. I'm just telling you from, and you brought up the media, uh, you know, and the work that Robert and I have done over the years, Frank, <laughs> Al Rittenhouse, Michael Brown. George Zimmerman. How many others? I mean, I don't even know how many other nationalized cases we've worked on. Cases uh, that you... The George Floyd one. Were, well, George Floyd was another one. Uh, and then there was some in Wisconsin that had to deal with uh, civil rights violations in the Milwaukee County Jail, which I think, again, some people think, uh, you know, you fall on one side of an issue on everything. Uh, that's not the case. Uh, there were legitimate... Uh, cases of civil rights violations and people that got her harmed in custody. It's just the media always pick the wrong one. They always like the ones that are more divisive, where the facts are a little bit more blurry, because they want you to go to your respective corner. I hate to tell you, they want the right to go to the right. They want the left to go to the left. They want the whites to go with the whites. They want black to go with the black. They want Hispanic. To go. They're the most divisive force in this country right now. They're the worst people on planet Earth. Yes. I hate to tell you. No, they are. And, and, and sadly, in all of these cases, ladies and gentlemen, if you read the New York Times, once heralded as the standard, the gold standard in journalism, if you read the New York Times or the Washington Post, if you watch the MSNBC or CNN, or even, sadly, the Alphabet Nightly News, you know, network news, if you watch any of that, you are the least informed on these national cases. Every single time. You watch CNN, MSNBC, you not only didn't realize the facts in the Michael Brown case, but you were extremely, extremely high, much more likely to suffer from illusory truth effect. You refused to believe Michael Brown did not have his hands up. He did not say, don't shoot. Frank, we showed people video footage that the FBI tried to withhold in the Rittenhouse case. We knew things, of course, because you're part of the case. You knew things that we, we all do that, that isn't public yet. And you try to show people this during you know, research for Vardir, and it doesn't matter because they've already heard Joy Reid. Yeah. And no matter what you show them, Joy Reid couldn't possibly have been lying to me. It's not a good system, Frank. It is a very flawed, um, badly in need of reform system. And I don't give a damn. When the jury pool is 95-5 against you, you do not have any prayer of getting a fair trial like Steve Bannon. This is such a great, it's a, and they know that again, they know that. So for people who are on the right or Trump supporters who were always hoping something would come down on Hillary, folks, it wouldn't matter. Even if Hillary Clinton was charged with some form of a crime because of the the collusion hoax for you know violating campaign finance and a whole host of other laws, paying for the dossier, running misinformation through the FBI, whatever, she would be let off. No jury would convict her over there. It would never happen. 
So, I mean, I don't want to be, mean to be Johnny Raincloud here, but they do this with impunity because they know the system is rigged in their favor. Well, the, I, and I, I'll tell you, this is a big contributing factor toward anybody who believes that there is going to be some kind of uh, coming to blows. Because what can you really... You, you yeah. think about that. I mean, it's just like the victim mentality of someone who comes home to an abusive spouse every night. Um, wh- what do you do? What do you do? You can, you, there's, there's no one to appeal to. There's no one to appeal to. And, and they are completely obsessive, and they hate you. I, what, what do you do? So I understand why the polling is, is suggesting that more and more people are on edge and they don't know how that this can be resolved peacefully. But hey, let, let's get around to something even more, because obviously you, yeah. you poll on economic issues as well. I got to read this to you because I, I couldn't actually believe that it was, it was for real. But I, then I again, think I know where you're going. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> Go because ahead. The redefining of terms. Okay. Yep. So, I mean, we already know what this is going, what's going on with this because they redefined what a, a vaccine does when, when things weren't going their way. But listen to this. this is from Zero Hedge. Um, uh, let me get down here. So the headline is this. Delusional Biden administration front runs recessionary GDP print by redefining recession. Let's get down to this area. Here it says, uh, what is a recession? The White House Council on Foreign Economic Advisors wrote in a blog, um, they say, while some maintain, <laughs> while some maintain that two... While some maintain. Yeah, like that two... <laughs> The two consecutive quarters of falling real GDP constitute a recession. That is neither the official definition nor the way economists evaluate the state of the business cycle. Instead, both officials' determinations of recessions and uh, economists' assessments of economic activity are based on holistic look at data, including the labor market, consumer and business spending, industrial production, and incomes based on these data, blah, blah, blah. And then... At the, uh, they say here, the uh, Zero Heads says, after some good old-fashioned muck polishing and ad hoc mine, uh, data ma- mining, like the biotech, sh- this is what they said at the end, recession probabilities are never zero, but trends in the data through the first half of this year used to determine a recession are not indicating a downturn. Not indicating False. a downturn. False. <laughs> Frank, uh, first and foremost, let me just say uh, that the voter confidence index, our registered voter economic confidence index, which we designed for the public polling project, people should contribute to so we can go and ask this month, we're supposed, if we get into the field, the next, whenever we do the next survey, we're actually asking those Civil War questions again. We ask them once a year. Uh, but the, what we created, the registered voter economic confidence index, we did to be able to, look, Consumer confidence has predictive value in election forecasting and modeling, but we wanted a little bit um, more. We wanted a little bit more pre- pre- uh, predictive value. So instead, we designed this index just for registered voters, and it was designed to do a few things. One is to not be volatile, right? So it's not volatile, swinging back and forth, ten points this way every month, ten points that way. And secondly, to predict the recession when a convergence happens, because we don't use unlike. The uh, conference board, we don't use 1985 as a baseline, so we do uh, calculate relative values, but we're not using the period of when we started as a baseline, so it's more of the uh, real result, I think it's fair to say. All right? When they converge, meaning the present situation index and the expectations index, 
fall and they fall together and they're at parity. It, it should signal a recession or at least a potential coming recession because what it tells you is maybe people feel bad about uh, the economic conditions right now that are part of the, the survey, but if they have a greater expectation for the six-month outlook, then you know maybe we're not headed into a slog, a downturn, an economic downturn. When they converge, it means that we're in a malaise and people no longer feel that there's light at the end of the tunnel and that can predict a recession. It worked. So I just I just want to point that out because it was the first one. It's a recession, folks. We've been in a recession. That's the truth of it. And um, the only thing they've been kind of like relying on is the tail tail end of Donald Trump's presidency. But that is gone now. So all these job numbers that they constantly skew, that's the problem with using and historically has been the problem with using the job and labor market data for uh, predicting recessions or not or coming out into, you know, uh, we're in an upturn, right? And we're headed into a period of expansion because jobs data is so manipulative. It really is. You can't, you, the Bureau of uh, Labor Statistics, they manipulate the hell out of the monthly jobs report known as the employment situation. So you really have to know what you're talking about when you look at that report to be able to tell when there is or isn't a tight labor market. The fact is, we're back to the same methodological gimmicks under Joe Biden that we were seeing under Barack Obama. Your labor force is not growing. Your employment population ratio is not improving. Yet you're seeing the labor, uh, you're seeing the overall unemployment rate fall. Well, that's because of how the methodology works in the survey. You're not seeing what you saw under Donald Trump, which is labor force increasing, employment population ratios improving, and yet still the unemployment rate falling. That's the sign of a truly tight labor market. Uh, so we're back to those gimmicks. People feel the difference, though. They can't be tricked into thinking that the labor market is good, which is why uh, we see all of the other indicators. Us, Gallup, Rasmussen has one, the small business, uh, NFIB has one. So, uh, you know, and ISM, by the way, a lot of people do. And even the conference board, they, part of that is a jobs index inside of that survey. So you, you can't trick these people. They still know what they're being told is garbage, but it's not new. Right. So leftist bureaucrats have a long history of fudging economic data, even government data. There's no line for these people. Unfortunately, under Donald Trump, the line that they did have, they crossed under Donald Trump. So we can expect basically them to just put out whatever propaganda they want like this. And they'll let the Biden administration get away with this. When inflation was ridiculous, just change how the CPI is calculated. Mm -hmm. Producer price index as well, because we can't have wholesale inflation, kind of wink and give it away every time the CPI comes out, right? So they changed that years ago, decades ago, under Barack Obama. They could not reproduce the economy pre-Great Recession. So instead, they changed how GDP was calculated under Donald Trump, because they didn't want Donald Trump to get 3% annual growth. They changed... Well, really, what they, there was always the alternate measure to report GDP, but they made it the standard under Donald Trump. So people weren't averaging four quarters anymore. They were simply doing fourth quarter over fourth quarter. And that gave uh, Trump's reported GP, GDP in 2018 2.9% instead of the three-point mark. I kid you not, Frank. By the way, the only ones to call them out on that was myself and Charles Payne from Fox Business. We were the only ones to ask the Bureau of Economic Analysis, why did you change this? 
Hmm. And of course, I, I mean, I could show you the email. There is, you know, we just decided um, there are, and there always has been an alternative measure, and that's just what we decided to do this quarter. Oh, no, it's not. God. They didn't want to get, I can show you the email. Charles Payne and I both were like really disappointed. You, you because see, there the, the, has the, to be some areas, Frank, where we don't let politics. That's, there has to be. That's what I'm talking about. That's why it's, I'm glad you ended on that note because. As you're telling me that story, I'm thinking about all the little micro moves that these snakes, yeah. the people that the people whose names will never learn inside of these agencies and these bureaus and these departments, these these, these political snakes, that, that these little micro moves that accumulate yes. to the life that we're living, you know, things like that. Why was that? Nobody would even. There, there are most people would never even think that there was a choice behind. The publishing of those numbers a choice that had to be Absolutely. made behind the publishing of those numbers incredible all all to keep the optics you know uh in a certain place so if donald trump would have gotten that three and by the way most people now will just say it and, and acknowledge it but it allowed the media to say 2.9 percent annual growth why because that three percent growth rate is a critical threshold that's number one and number two, all of the experts when Donald Trump was was running for president, Trump said three percent. That's nothing. We're the United States of America. I think we could do four or five, you know, percent or greater. We're, we can do whatever we want. And the the experts would give all their quotes to CNBC and CNN Money and Fox Business. And well, you know, in reality, the new norm is about two to two and a half percent. That was a load of crap. No, it's not the new norm. It's the norm under the regime they want us to live under. It was never the norm for the United States. And in fact, the norm is the deeper the recession, the bigger the bounce back. That's the norm in economics. But we never saw that under Barack Obama um, and the labor market. And, and they're not the only ones. I mean, the Bureau of Economic Analysis has the personal income and outlays report. The revisions to wages under Barack Obama was just they were in defense in defense i mean frank they lied to people about real wage growth so terribly and it was only after donald trump's initial first year that those numbers were revised and then people realized how bad wages were really stagnant or not at all or reverse if you look at real wage growth under barack obama and by the way i mean maybe people are too young to remember they fudged the jobs report trying to get barack obama Reelected, They fudged the unemployment number so Mitt Romney could not go out and say unemployment hasn't felt fallen below 7%. And by the way, the reason for that is that no modern president had ever been reelected with an unemployment rate 7% or higher, Herbert Walker Bush including. So all of the pundits would go on and on and say, well, regardless of the polls, the history tells us nobody can be reelected with 7% or greater unemployment rates. So what did they do? They fudged it, and it fell below 7 And we know now from the New York Post that P – and what happened to that bureaucrat? About as much as will happen to the SCOTUS leaker from hmm. Roe v. Wade. Oh, yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Who is that? Nothing will Who happen. Who is that? Did, did, did anybody ever – where would that go? Nope. That's gone, Frank. That will never – we will never find out the truth about that and if we do it'll be far after the midterm election where it's really you know not consequential anymore for somebody anyone who has ever served in the military or served in a sensitive government position like I, like i have you will know what i'm saying is 100 percent true 
Anytime something like that happens, it takes them all of 24 hours tops to find the leaker. You all get stuck in a room. Nobody goes. Nobody, nobody leaves. Nobody makes calls. Cell phones go in a bin. And you all get put in a chair and given a polygraph. And that is it. When something that sensitive is leaked, you're busted within hours. Hours. So this idea that there's no, no information, this is, they don't want to catch this person. That's it. Well, see, and and going back to the the recession, the redefinition of recession again, that's, I had to bring that up, not only because of how blatant it was, but I just needed to know. Orwellian. Are are the... Orwellian, Frank. But do do people who would, I guess, tend, or you could count on them having voted, actually voted for Democrat politicians in 2020, are they on average stupid enough to accept that or are even they by and large calling bullshit on this look you know generally speaking in in our polling there are you know low end eight percent it has been as low as like five or six some months but normally it's about eight to the high end of about 12 to 15 who say they voted for joe biden voted for democrats um who have what you know really we could refer to as voter remorse so there will always be these people we you know we call it the hive mind no matter uh what they're told how badly they're lied to they're going to stay within the hive mind frank that's it you know Hmm. but there's enough uh that can do some real damage to their coalition so you know that's why donald trump has a national lead right now i mean something i never even thought that would be possible uh for a republican candidate but he's changed the calculus there are just too many hispanic workers who are like you know what screwed up there are too many uh whites with a four-year degree the postgrads are still against trump they're against republicans and they're not going to go anywhere they're not going to budge maybe republicans will do a little bit better with them uh but by and large they haven't really swung anywhere because they're they're out of, at this point, they're out of harm. And there was actually an article in the Wall Street Journal, which is becoming a slanderous rag, by the way. But there was an article in the Wall Street Journal that uh, just today, I think, or was it yesterday? It was yesterday, I think, that the upper middle class now is starting to get hit and they're starting to feel some pain. So when you start to deprive them of their boat that they wanted to get, yep. or, you know, you start to deprive them of that summer house. Damn, I can't get that summer house anymore because mortgage rates are have to go up to try to control inflation or the cost of housing is, you know, really not feasible. I got to wait until housing prices come down. They are now only now starting to get hurt by it. Uh, so we may have to give uh, some people a little bit more time. But if you have like a four year degree or below, um, you've swung pretty considerably against Joe Biden and Democrats. Uh, You know, we just polled in Arizona for CD media, creative destruction media. Joe Biden is so unpopular in the state of Arizona. It's the overall approval rating doesn't even, um, it doesn't tell the whole tale. So 36% approval, so about almost 60% disapproval. It doesn't tell the whole picture because you gotta look at who acknowledges they voted for joe biden and now where they are and republicans had a statewide lead in that in, on the generic ballot in arizona of nine points and hispanics were over them over them you know they were this as far as people who said we, i strongly support joe biden hispanics were actually the weakest out of all the strong support joe biden had which is not very strong at all but only 11 percent 
strongly supported or strongly approved of the job Joe Biden was doing and just about half strongly disapprove. So you have 49.5% of all likely midterm voters in the state of Arizona strongly disapproving of the job Joe Biden is doing. So what is that going to do to Katie Hobbs and Mark Kelly when undecideds are figuring out which way to vote? You know, right now, and I think I don't think Hobbs has a prayer in hell. I don't. Um, but the Senate race will be a tough slog. And I'm I, I just see that's a it's it's a hard thing to do to get reelected in a state where your president from your party is so unpopular. Hmm. No matter how much money you have, love you it. Know? I, I love to hear it. Especially, I love to hear all that about about uh, Hispanic voters, because for years I have just it's because it, I live I live in like one of the ground zeros of illegal immigration over here. I have yeah, you do. <laughs> Sorry, God bless you. I almost I almost muted it in time, but it didn't happen. Um, so, uh, but I, I live in like one of the ground zeros for illegal immigration around here, and I always said, okay, this, this, it's impossible. It's impossible to reverse unless, of course, the money, the, the these block grants and everything that the states have gotten drunk and happy and, yeah. and invested in this scam dries up. That's when people who have who have ultimately no allegiance to this country except the fact that they were told, hey, we can show up. We're going to get housing, food, education, uh, a spending limit. We're going to get all this stuff. If that stuff is no longer here, they'll self-deport. So I knew I'm never going to be really holding my breath or even think that it's a good endeavor to try to mass deport all these people who are being imported by a a tyrannical political system here. But what I did hold on to, Rich, all those years was that if there's anything that could be done, there can be an awakening of, you know, civic involvement. What what made America America? What is available? What is actually available to people who want to claim it over here? Why it wasn't it was advantageous to anybody that was looking for a life that where government was not as intrusive as other places on Earth, where the creed was a little bit more open to everybody, regardless of where you came from and all that stuff. And and then of course the fact that most people coming over the southern border are Christian. So there's there's a couple of things to hope for and a couple of things that you actually have in common, even though other things we don't have a lot of in common. They they were actually playing on the balkanization. They they wanted to be balkanized so that they can start picking up the pieces. So I when I hear things like that about the about Hispanic voters um, starting to wake up because of course they are very family oriented and they don't want their hard work to go down the drain because a scheme is being run from coast to coast. They don't want to be a part of that. I love seeing that there's actually yeah. movement and in big ways. Yeah, I got to tell you, you know, Joe Biden allegedly won Hispanics in that state by 24 points. He's now 20, negative 21. So that's How, a 45 point swing, Frank. That's and a, on the generic ballot, is it possible? it's a four point difference. Is that possible? That's it. But is that really it is. possible? I'm, well, typically, I'll tell you right now. Normally, I, this is historic. These kinds of swings that we're seeing among certain voters. It is not typical. So it tells you a few things. One is that no matter what people parrot, Joe Biden has a credibility problem. He does. Um, And then also, I don't know if you saw his speech today, but, I mean, this White House is stupid. When it comes to optics, why you would parade out Joe Biden to basically slur like he's drunk uh, today, you know, that does not exude confidence. You know, there is something to be said that Hispanics don't 
really fear masculinity like some of these white liberals do. All right, they want a strong leader. They do. They like that. Uh, there's no problem. There's not problematic for them, right? To, and that's why they don't like these new culture wars, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but to parade out a guy looking as feeble and as weak as Joe Biden looks is not a, a confidence inspiring. No. Um, you know. But bottom line is, it comes down to. It's inflation, and in Arizona, it is the border. And I even we had Blake Masters on Inside the Numbers earlier today. He hears about it everywhere. If you look in the poll we did for CD, the CD Media Big Data poll, right? Blake Masters and Kerry Lake are both winning Hispanics in their respective primary races. His, Hispanics who say, I'm independent, I'm going to vote in the Republican primary. It's not even close. Why is it, with all of the criticism? that Blake Masters and Kerry Lake received from the media, white liberals in the media, on their posi- regarding their positions on illegal immigration, supposed to be so strict and draconian, why are they clobbering their nearest competition among his... It's not even close, right? Kerry Lake's 25, 30 points. It's huge. It's not close. So why, if these new voters coming to the Republican Party, these new, like, America First Hispanics, why are they not voting for the rhinos who are supposed to be compassionate? Tell me, why aren't they, right? And this is say, and, and it's because nothing uh, that you hear out of these people uh, is true. You, what you just said is 100% true. Just because they're Hispanic does not mean they condone lawlessness or they want uh, people coming over, flooding over the border like this. It's, it's, that's ridiculous right. to insinuate that. That's ridiculous. Just like Frank, you and I wouldn't want to see a bunch of Italians pour over the border illegally. Well, no, no, and that's because good. I'm Italian. You're and that, Italian? and that's the crazy. thing, Rich. That's the thing, Rich. I always say, you know, it's this is uh, there's going to be an end to the leeway that they have with pushing this game about migration and immigration and completely yep. ruining and getting getting rid of the differential between actual immigration and what they're doing with the with you know pretty much the smuggling of people in. To the country and then dispersing them around the country and I mean there's a difference between and I there's so many and it's true this is a country that is by and large comprised of immigrants everybody came yeah. from somewhere you go far enough back that's what it is and when you take that 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 story when you take that piece away from people whether they are first generation or tenth generation when you take that away by calling someone an immigrant for just you know uh, 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 responding to the dinner bell that has been rung by DC from people who want to destroy the electorate and claim the country for themselves and then meld it into this globalist operation at the UN that is going to rub a lot of people the wrong way especially Hispanics because they are being used as the the I don't know I I would I, I would say the human shields yeah yeah I mean- it's, yep. a, it's a human shield situation right now. It's like, how dare you take us and use us as a pawn, as as uh, as uh, poker chips, pretty much. Every person is a poker chip. You know, it was funny because uh, th- there was so much going on under the Trump presidency. The media never reported it. Uh, you know, the, the bottom line is if you are on the side of all of these caravans and illegal immigration, then you basically are, you know, you're pro-cartel. You are not on the humanitarian side of this. Don't claim the moral high ground because you are not the virtuous one here. You are enabling all sorts of horrific things from happening. And the fact is, that's why we see those second generations, you know, 
like so if you're his if you're uh, the children of hispanic migrants maybe your parents who got your first naturalized they started voting democrat you did not and you're starting now and even the old you know the, the older generations are now even shifting as well because of the cultural stuff but what i what i am seeing is the makings of the biggest political backfire in the history of this country because political maturation inevitably happens and with ethnic catholics which we studied in great detail irish took a little bit long because they still relied on the urban system what it, what did a lot of irish catholics do when they got here they were firemen policemen right they had a lot of city jobs they were working for the tammany machine that's how their livelihoods uh worked it was only when there was a larger exodus out into the suburbs and other areas that they were able to break away from democratic machine politics they took a little bit longer to do that italians did it relatively quick hispanics i do believe probably would have already started to do this except for the great recession and i think a lot of people need to remember that um the hispanic vote was pretty close for a while but george w bush and his policies or at least his lack of doing anything to address the problem that was the community uh, reinvestment act that led to the subprime mortgage crisis he was still at the top and the, you know the buck stops with the president so he sent hank olson down to congress twice and barney frank and chris dodd told them both to pound both times to pound sand we're not doing anything about it hispanics were disproportionately hurt economically by the financial crisis the subprime crisis they lost more homes disproportionately than anybody else so it really shouldn't have come as some great surprise that they blamed republicans and they voted for barack obama in droves and now we're seeing them start to come back uh I think Donald Trump obviously had a lot to do with that. But in the end, that's why, and, and Democrats know this, guys. They know this, which is why they're trying to import millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of new arrivals. They are trying, and here I'm going to use the R word, they're not only trying to replace the domestic population at this point, they're trying to replace the ones that are voting, that are moving to the right, right? So they need a whole new bunch of new arrivals to get that margin back. They need, new, they need new, Hispa out, new Hispanics. They need new Hispanics, and that's and by the way, if it, if that wasn't true, Frank, it's true. Then you wouldn't see them leave the border wide open for Mexico while basically threatening to shoot boats at coming from Cuba, right? So it, why wouldn't you let them come from Cuba and Venezuela like you let them come from uh, El Salvador and parts of Mexico and Guatemala, right? Why? Why is Mayorkas so concerned? Why is he out there in front of microphones threatening to literally send the military after these boats that bring people fleeing Fidel Castro? Because Mayorkas is not an idiot. He knows that if you're coming from Venezuela or Cuba, you're going to vote Republican. If you come from any of the other Central and Southern uh, Latin countries, you're more likely to at least for a generation uh, vote for the, for the party that gives you more social services. At least, at I mean, least, it, at it, least it, this, to pretend like this isn't the case is really insulting to most people. And I don't know why this the R word replacement became a dirty word. That's their word. It's their. It it's is their word. They're the ones who brought this up, Frank. We're like all oh, this racist replacement theory. They, they brought up replacement theory. Nobody else. Rich, you know, go, I, go blame Ted Kennedy. The one Don't thing I me. never think about, the one thing I never think about, and nobody I know thinks about, and I have I've never even tracked it until the the people in the news, the people, the Daily Beast, and the and all, all the other crazy outlets out there, 
these yeah. these are the people who are constantly tracking to see when possibly the day of white majority is going to be overtaken by non-white Americans as if this is they're just counting down on New Year's Eve and it's just going to be a brand new society the day that whites are outnumbered by one non-white American they're outnumbered by one it's it's like a new dawn it's like year zero as if something's going to change these are the oh this is the kind of obsessive things that they are always putting in people's faces they want to look at makeup and race quotas and and uh, everything has to do with a, a, a victim or oppressive uh, mindset and and this once again they 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 package all of their immigration talks and talks about the future of democracy here in the United States based on how they can unravel white supremacy. So literally, they come down to one thing and one thing only, it's we need to replace them. We need to be able to replace them and to nullify their numbers because their numbers equals a, a, a supremacy that is just holding us down. And until we can eclipse them in population, it's always going to hold us down. And then we have to start rooting out what's been ingrained in us. They are obsessive, psychopathic racists. It's everything that they are. So I laugh too when they when they throw the re, the replacement theory back at us as if we are imagining this. It's like you if you remember, <laughs> it's unreal. I can't. Like an imagine right? Like it's an imagined community or something. Like uh, you made this. You created. You you talk about this incessantly. You obsess over it. I mean, so I, I, what do you mean we created this out of thin air? Are you nuts? Um, we're just simply addressing. What you have brought up for this is decades old now, Frank. Decades and decades. Uh, you know that there are quotes you can pull up from Democratic lawmakers and policymakers. You know, and the, the funny thing is, though, again, this is why they needed the collusion hoax in 2016. They needed something to explain to them how they got it wrong. They really did believe, and as somebody who's a pollster and uh, you know knows sadly a lot of these other so-called political uh, election gurus. They did not believe that Republicans had the numbers to win a national election anymore, Frank. They believed wholeheartedly that the electoral map was against Republicans and it was not mathematically possible anymore, especially for someone like a Donald Trump, uh, to win the Electoral College. So they needed something to tell them how they got it wrong. They all believe in Allen's emerging Democratic majority and demographics of destiny. They, it's, that's their freaking religion for the last 20 years. If we can just get a little bit more Hispanics, if we could just do a little bit more with educated whites, the math won't be possible to overcome. And they were wrong uh, because they forgot something very central to American politics. Political coalitions, the only, the only thing you can count on about political coalitions is that they will forever change and you can't count on them being the same one year after another. Mm -hmm. right? People vote differently. You give a little bit here, you take a little bit there. All right? Winning an election is essentially trying to net, have a net gain when you're seeing all these little trade-offs. You, you woo these voters over here, you're probably going to piss somebody off over there. 
the goal is to have a net positive outcome. And they just forgot that lesson, you know, and I try to explain to people how things can change. You know, you're 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 an oldies buff. You know White Christmas, Frank? Yes. Danny Kay and Bing Crosby. Mm-hmm. There's a joke in there that I always refer to when I try to tell people this. What's in for what's in Vermont? He, you know, Danny Kay wants to go to Vermont because he wants to go for the girls, he wants to go help the girls, right? Mm-hmm. Bing Crosby doesn't want to go. And so got them, you know, what's in Vermont? Uh, you know, other than Republicans and snow, right? Now look at Vermont. If you would have told them all those years ago that you will have a socialist senator, okay, and he will win 70% of the vote every time he's up for re-election, they would have called you nuts. Not Vermont. No way. There's nothing but a bunch of, you know, rich, white, you know, Republicans in Vermont. Things change. They forever change. They never thought Hidalgo County was going to swing to, you know, as many points as it did towards Republicans. They never believed Donald Trump could carry Zapata County in South Texas. They don't believe this stuff. They were floored when Miami-Dade almost went for Donald Trump. He was a few points away. Nobody has gotten that close on the Republican side carrying Miami-Dade since George W. Bush. And by the way, Miami was a hell of a lot whiter when he did that. You know, so they just don't see these things. They believe that their world doesn't allow them to to understand uh, changing, you know, coalitions like that. And they feel like once they have you under the yoke, that's it. You know, they they don't understand the concept of political maturation. But now I think clearly they are, which is why they're just like, you know what, come on in. Because congratulations, working second and third generation Hispanics. You are now considered like white people, domestic U.S.-born white people, okay, untrustworthy. They cannot trust you to vote for them because you may do something like put your family first. How dare you? Yeah, dare you. You may do something like put your pocketbook first. How dare you? And uh, you're now in with the rest of us. Congratulations. Welcome to the basket. I, you know, it's funny. It, it, well, it's not funny because it reminds me of it reminds me of election night 2020 when things were we were still really excited and we we're like oh man this is amazing we were watching everything happen in in florida and it was right before all of the uh, shenanigans with the freezing in arizona and then the the pipes were starting to burst and all that right before then we were getting so excited because we saw what was happening in florida and i said as soon as this is all over we have got to make hashtag kiss a cuban trend on twitter we uh, we have to we have to laura's we ne- over here we never got to do laura, it laura's over here because this stuff pisses laura off you know uh i haven't seen laura this pissed over white uh liberal uh treatment of hispanics since john podesta's emails uh call you know all those hispanics are so needy and you know we have to yeah what what are they we're a commodity they're a commodity a needy commodity and you constantly have to pander to them uh i haven't seen her that mad since and it well i haven't seen her the breakfast taco I mean, it's been that long. And the Bogodas. The Bogodas. Like, Does she mean bodega? You idiot. You know, so. I meant, I meant this, stuff, a bodega. this stuff and, is too and, much, and, you know? It, it, it's too insulting. Oh. You know, well, even to the point, it's just too, it's too much because it's so obvious. And I think that a lot of Hispanics, I'm, and we hear this a lot, they don't want to be the next African American voting bloc. Like, they don't want to be. Uh, part of this is, I think, for some of them, is just rebellion. You know, so a lot of, even though they may have been inclined to vote Democrat in the past, they just feel like, you know what, when you're not going to put us under the thumb, 
you know, we're not going on the progressive plantation like you, you know, think you have gotten us. Like they really did believe that Hispanics were headed in that direction. And I think a lot of Hispanics simply wised up to it, Frank. I do. Um, you know, sadly, um, there's, you know, still no, well, there is for some enclaves and populations, but they're not connected to the urban machine like African-Americans uh, still remain to this day. And I feel like, you know, that, that they would have, again, would have started to do that already if it wasn't for the Great Recession. And I think they Democrats really messed up thinking that that temporary swing to Democrats uh, because of, you know, the, the, the economic pain that they felt. Uh, and, you know, by the way, you can see, so, you know, liberals are struggling to figure out what to do about this. You were just bringing up Miami. Do you remember some of the commentary? Uh, uh, some of the, what the things they said about Cubans and Venezuelans and Puerto Ricans who voted for Donald Trump in South Florida? You know, that they were just, uh, you know, the women, just same thing they said about white women in 2016. You know, that Hispanic men must tell their women how to vote. Uh, also, they're basically, they like bullies. Remember that from CNN, yeah. uh, Project Veritas? They like to be bullied. I mean. <laughs> then why, then know, why, so, didn't they, why didn't they vote Democrat then? That, that's, I mean, that's all. That's it's just, exactly. it, it comes back because they can't, they, there's no self-actualization here. None no. whatsoever. And it's None just. None was totally right. Man, man, I, uh, I, I just and think- truthfully told, Frank, it was all in the numbers all along. Our polling in the polling done by uh, the, the the Florida South Florida poll, I think it's Miami. Uh, you does it uh, the Cuban poll, right? And they just simply ask, you know, uh, the Hispanic population in Miami about. It's not just who you're going to vote for. It's which comes closer to your view. It's very in depth. It's a great poll. Donald Trump had a 33 or 31 point lead with Cubans in that poll. It wasn't because of any of the ridiculous commentary you heard on CNN or from CNN Mm -hmm. people who didn't think the cameras were on. It's right in the poll. What do you think? What is your position on this? What is your position on that? The truth is Hispanics just agreed with Donald Trump on every single damn issue. Well, you know what it is? Including immigration. This is where I think it it is here, um, uh, Rich. Well, I I, I mean, there's at least there's at least going to be a this is going to be a, a playing a factor in the whole thing. When you talk about new waves and waves and waves of of uh, Hispanics from Central South America, um, or or anybody for that matter, when you talk about these new blocks that are coming in and how they they obviously want to be put into certain demographic groups and and keep everybody in their own little pens and all that stuff, the one thing that they don't have is baggage. They don't have baggage when they come to this country. They, um, for example, black Americans in the United States, they started, they were, as you know, traditionally Republican voters. Coming, right. out, coming out of the 19th century, going into the 20th century, traditionally and almost entirely Republican voters. And then came the Great Depression. 
And it was during the Great Depression that the Democrat Party and FDR started offering more financial and economic assistance to all those southern states that actually brought in the, the, the lower income lower income black Americans that, of course, to this day has never been relinquished. But there's they also have a lot more skin in the game. There's a lot more old scars from slavery and, and other things that, that was there um, and still fresh at that point. But, but, you know, Hispanic Americans, especially over the last 25, 30 years who have arrived in probably the, the close to tens of millions, there's, there's no, there's no hangups. There's nothing, yeah. there's nothing that really ties them to the, the long, uh, arduous bickering uh, American style. They left all of their hangups behind. And now I think that, that I think that just, that frees them up to be a little bit more truly independent with their thinking. They can actually go from cycle to cycle and, and, uh, and flip around and they don't have to explain themselves. They don't have to explain to anybody. Yeah, I think that's a that's a really good observation. And I got to tell you, you know, you have some of them. The only baggage they may be bringing is their experience from their prior country. So, you know, I remember speaking to this. Uh, he he was not he was not quite senior, but he was you know just under six seniors in our polling of sixty five and above, right? And he was like sixty two, and it was his first U.S. election that he was able to vote in. Just naturalized, uh, came from Venezuela. And he had been here when Trump won, but he wasn't able to vote yet. And he basically said, you know, that he's voting for Trump and, you know, you press him on, you know, their reasoning. And, you know, can we get a quote if we write a story about it kind of thing? And he basically said, and I'll never forget this guy. He was like, you know, I'm from Venezuela. I know a, I know an empty promise when I hear it. I know what it looks like. I know what it sounds like. So when a politician tells you you deserve free health care, you know, when a politician says, you know, we got to we got to make everything fair and equal. And, you know, they've heard this already, Frank. They know what this leads to. It's the same thing with Cubans. They've heard they heard it. Maybe they even bought into it at one point in their life. But then they saw what it did to their country. So the things Democrats tell people now, you know, we're the only country we're, we're a country we have, uh, you know, thank God did not fall to Marxism in the 20th century, did not buy into that. We don't have that experience, whereas some of these voters that are coming here, they do, and they know what happens. They know what it really results in. Uh, and then also, to you know, as far as with uh, the history of, uh, of black voting patterns, it's sad because I think that if we, were to if we all really did learn history uh, more complete and the, the truer version of it, for better or for worse, then maybe the media and the Democratic Party, it's also something that's uniquely American. We have a party that relies on racial division. It relies on remembering, keeping the idea of racial se you know, segregation and racism alive to perpetuate its political power. No other country has that. We have that, and that's sad. That's an evil. It's a stain. It's an evil, and has to go. But in this version of history that they tell to perpetuate this power, we go from like the Civil War, Frank, to Jim Crow, as if there was nothing in between that really is very, very important to this story. Right. As if there were black politicians elected to southern governments. There were it was the eras of reconstruction that you know Lincoln was killed. Unfortunately, probably would have went a lot different if Lincoln wasn't assassinated, even though I am no great praiser of Abraham Lincoln. I don't care what other people do and praise him for. He suspended habeas corpus. He threw journalists in jail. He's he's a dictator. He's a tyrant. Indeed. I mean, so, you know, I'm with he you. He was a tyrant. I'm Abraham with you. Lincoln. He's not a hero. 
Um, yeah, so I hate to break people's brains on that, but that's the truth. However, he did want to he did want to re-embrace the South immediately. When he was killed, some more of the radical forces were able to assume power through Reconstruction. Over years, folks, we didn't go from Civil War to Jim Crow. There were decades in between. The Democrats in the South um, started to basically gain power because of the North's treatment of the South over decades, making them pay for veterans' benefits for Civil War soldiers while they were not entitled to them, stealing people's property and giving it to the aggrieved and the wrong. Over time, this led to a lot of resentment in the South, and Democrats formed what was called redeemer governments in the south and they were the racist ones who would later uh, enact jim crow laws if we were taught a more fuller version of history and didn't just block out decades of when we were trying to live with each other and things were looking really good uh for a while uh, unfortunately like i said the radical grabbed power and they, they they punished they did something Lincoln did not want to do. They punished, and that led to resentment and spite, and they took it out on black people. And they, they said, you know what? The South's going to rise again. We're going to implement our Redeemer governments, and we're going to re reject uh, a lot of this, these policies that were coming from D.C. and, and, and North, northern states. Um, you know, again, we can't – the reason why they hide that is because it, if, if they tell that story – they have to tell the story with those parties. <laughs> yeah. Who did that? Democrats yeah. did it. They did it. And they, by the way, they did it right up until Lyndon Johnson and the Civil Rights Act. They were the ones who filibustered the Civil Rights Act. They were the, if not for Republican senators, civil rights would never have been passed because Al Gore's daddy was too busy setting a filibuster record to try to block the Civil Rights Act in the Senate. They can't tell you that entire story. Because if they do, then they have to get more specific. Instead, they want to whitewash it all and just say, well, you know what? At some point in the 50s and 60s, the Republicans and the Democrats kind of switched. It switched. Yeah, yeah. What, That's what, ridiculous. Every, one side was just like, you know what? We just want to we want to try out racism a little bit more. Uh, let's just <laughs> let's just do a little switcheroo here. No, I've done so many. I've done a lot on the um, on the the switch myth. I, I we've I've brought on a lot of great guests like Brian McClanahan to do to do that. I, I think oh, that anybody cool. that wants to learn a little bit about the um, I, either Brian McClanahan's work or Thomas DiLorenzo, anything that he has written about Lincoln and the war and the truth about that, it's a lot more complex than one side or the other, and we can go on for way hours. And way. Yes. But you know what? It's uh, This is why I love talking about it. But it is it. a myth. Oh, it's a big time it myth. It is a myth, Frank. Big time. It's, it's bullshit, and, um, and it, needs to be, it needs to be vanquished. But that would be to vanquish stupidity itself, and we are really behind when it comes to that, that, uh, that mission. <laughs> but listen, Rich, this is the reason why I love talking to you, yeah. because it starts in one place, and then we end up in history that supports... The actual situation that we're living through right now, because it's, it's really good to remember that no matter what happened 200, 2,000 years ago, we are living the latest chapter of that storyline. I mean, it's all connected. Yes. And I think that your work really exemplifies that the, the, the best. Please let people know where to find you outside of this. I cannot wait for the next time you're on already. I'll tell you, Frank, and when we get closer to Labor Day, we can make it more frequent. Let's you do know? it. Just, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, we, we should definitely do that. Uh, but on Truth and on Getter, both the same uh, handle, at People's Pundit. On Twitter is at People's underscore Pundit. But honestly, the best way to follow me, even if you just become a member, not a supporter, is to join my Locals community, which is peoplespundit.locals.com. 
if you're a supporter, you do get like, you know, embargoed polls and exclusive access to different content, stuff like that. The book club, we do the book club, which is if you love history, um, we're reading Myths of Empire by Jack Snyder right now. Fantastic. Um, but yeah, I mean, even just becoming a member, at least you'll be able to keep up with what we're doing. And in this way, if YouTube, for instance, was to nuke me one day and I was gone, at least you'd know where to follow me uh, because we came very, very close. I just had a strike expire, Frank. Um, Good for you, you know, from a, a guest, you know, said, uh, well, both get two guests said the same thing, simply quoting Steve Bannon, and they gave us a strike for it both times. So, I mean, I was this close. Oh, you, you were, know, you had two. two, you had, you had two strikes. Oh yeah. And uh. One just expired. And I just, uh, today went back on YouTube because we have Blake masters and I wanted to, uh, you know, put it back on YouTube as well. Um, but yeah, that's how close we came. So if people just sign up, you can follow the public polling project, uh, all the other stuff that we have out. A lot of good stuff. A lot of good stuff. Uh, and of course, you want to check out Arizona, like we were talking about earlier, the Arizona polling, uh, press, or just go to Creative Structure Media. Uh, that will take, you'll see the CD Media Big Data Poll. A lot of good stuff in Arizona. And by the way, like I said, all the criticism over the weekend. Now everybody's moving to our direction in Arizona. It's so funny because I always put up Frank on Twitter, I'm taking apologies. I'm taking apologies and I never seem to get one. People are real drunk. Oh, this is crap. He can't be trusted. This is this. And I just giggle at it because I always know, give it five days to two weeks and you'll see everybody heard or mirror a uh, big data poll. And that's, that's what happens, my friend. That's it. It's, it's the Barris rule. The Barris rule. Yeah. Oh. Oh, right. Laura's saying if it wasn't for my uh, tooth. Uh, yeah, we would have. We you had a tooth pulled? Uh, yeah, I had actually worse than a tooth pulled uh, because I needed to have, I you know, I'm... I did. It, it was no fixing that puppy. Yeah. So I have like a cadaver bone drilled into the jaw. Um, it's, you know, it, it's been a couple of days. Yesterday I had to cancel the book club, which sucked because I love the book club, but I just couldn't talk anymore. Uh, today, I, it's definitely doing better. It's still, it's going to take some time, though. It is what it is. Well, I'm glad that you, you know, toughed it out with me, man. I, I didn't know that you went through that, but thank you for toughing out with us. Yeah, man, I had to do it. <laughs> well, I had to do it, and plus, I feel I, I am feeling moderately better today. So good. You got to keep going. The world, the world goes on without you, Frank. You know, you got to suck it up. I know. And Charlie, Mike, on. Amen. Well, I, amen to that. Listen, I, I, I wish you, Laura, and your cadaver bone the best. And I will, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'll be here. Anything you need from me, you already know. Just ask. But in the meantime, since I, I guess I'll just uh, wait with bated breath for our next. I think we're going to be doing the. I don't know. It's that Monday before the 26th of August. That that's that what we're going to be doing because I'm leaving on the 26th to to go on a little bit of a vacation for that following week. So I uh, I'm, I can't wait for it. I really can't. It's always a good time with Maybe you. Maybe we should stuff something in between if you want. We do have a lot of good. We have a lot of important primaries that are coming up here. So that would you know, be great. We'll, let's 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 marinate on that. Let's that talk that would be great. That. And at the very least, we should definitely start prioritizing what we're doing in September because September and October, and that's that, that's it. So yeah, it's even almost here. After yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you both of you guys over there. Have a wonderful one, and we'll talk soon. Okay. All the best, my friend. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye, Bye Laura. <laughs>
Okay, there you go. Oh, you know, I should have said, you know, I should have said to Laura, because obviously she took such exception with the, the bodegas, the bodegas comment. I should have, uh, I should have sent her a, oh, I still can. Cisse Poidway. Let's do that. Thank you. I've learned so much from Dr. Jill Biden. She is really an educator in many ways. I learned about these new mysterious bodegas and um, how, how, how most Hispanic people are really, they're, they're all descended from tacos. No difference there. But we're going to take a really quick break, come back. I'm going to read through these Civil War threads. And, um, or because I'm not going to change the title of this episode. I'm not doing it. So don't go anywhere. Become a sponsor of the show. You saw that? Be, go, go there. Become a subscriber or a contributor to Rich Barris on Locals. Become a sponsor to, quite frankly, you can do it for as little as $1 a month by going to the Sponsor Us tab on QuiteFrankly.tv. QuiteFrankly.tv, by the way, will be live again after we are done here at 9 o'clock. It is Mystery Movie Monday. I actually don't know what movies are going to be played just yet, but I'll tell you a little bit about what we were watching for the Sunday night programming when we get back from this break. Go to quitefrankly.tv, explore it, go to the, the Sponsor Us page and become a monthly sponsor so you can get uh, all these key emails and follow-backs on Twitter and or anywhere else. I guess I should start doing that to other places too. And then our Sunday chats, which are all unlisted. Unlisted Sunday streams. They are really awesome. Makes me feel good. Good comfy stuff. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Welcome to Intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Yeah, Intermission. Quite frankly. 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 We all support quite frankly. Not quite. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. Yeah. Quite frankly, in Roma, Italia. Quite frankly, you going on Frank's show tonight? I really like you. You're very smart. So everybody watch. Quite frankly, with Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you? 
Okay, so we are... We are hanging out here. We've got about 23 minutes left, so I've got a lot of stuff to do. I'm going to jump into some extras for now. Uh, number one, I guess I'm going... I'll read you a little bit on positive, the whole positive Christianity thing tomorrow. I told you, just go and check it out. You should see what was done with that. At least you'll have a couple extra tricks up your sleeve when talking to ignorant people. Uh, when it comes to Nazis and everything else. Christian nationalism. Then you have this. I want to let everybody know that we are pretty much, we're almost ready to, to do this thread that I posted a year ago. And I know that it would be a good one for the show. Non-human rescue stories. I have Sticky posted it to the top of the forum. You go to quitefrankly.tv, hit forum. It'll bring you to the Quite Frankly subreddit where almost 16,000 people are there now. I remember when we were having a, we were going to have a party for a thousand members of the subreddit. And here is a year ago, I put this up here. Non-human rescue stories. Have you ever been saved by an animal directly or indirectly? Have your life, you know, it, it, it had any kind of tragedy averted or anything like that? A dog, a bird, uh, anything. Was there any, did a chipmunk cross your path and delay you 30 seconds before falling into a, a ravine or, you know, not paying attention to who knows? So go there and check it out. And if you don't know how to get there, which I just told you, quite frankly.tv, hit the forum button, and I, this will be sticky posted to the top of the thread, or top of the feed, I should say. You can email the show, and I can give you the link, too, if you need it. But uh, that would be great to do. Also, remember, it's almost August, which means before I leave, before I leave for my vacation from August 26th until... Well, I, I get back home probably around September 2nd, driving back home then. But then it's Labor Day weekend, so I'm not getting back on air until September 6th. It's going to be a long, a long break, but hopefully I come back relaxed. And you, if you think I'm not going to go live during that time, I definitely will. Just it'll be impromptu. It'll be cigar streams. It'll just be hanging out, enjoying the the, the tail end of summer. But we have to do deer, the deer scene again. That's one of our yearly traditions, the deer scene. If you don't know what that is, you will. Don't worry. It is an amazing, beautiful, inspirational uh, night where everybody gets to share stories of tremendous life experiences that is inexplicable to most people that were not inside of them. So we'll talk about that talk about that but for now let me know have you ever been saved by an animal directly or indirectly now when it comes to civil war and then I'll do all of our super chats at the end when it comes to civil war there's something you need to remember here's something I wanted to tell you I also went to Wikipedia to, to grab just some liner notes for a a strategy that is being employed and, and needs to be understood too it's called strategy of tension Strategy of tension is a policy wherein violent struggle is encouraged rather than suppressed. The purpose is to create a general feeling of insecurity in the population and make people seek security in a strong government. This is supposed to pave the way for a more authoritarian or even neo-fascist government. The strategy of tension is most closely identified with the years of lead in Italy from 1968 to 1982. 
wherein both far-left Marxist and far-right neo-fascist extra-paramilitary groups and state intelligence agencies perform bombings, kidnappings, arsons, and murder. Well, that, that, that's definitely being, that's an overlap with Gladio. Some historians and activists have accused, accused NATO of allowing and sanctioning such terrorism through projects such as Gladio, Operation Gladio. Although this is, a, this is disputed by the intelligence agencies. No, there's nothing to dispute. That's exactly what's going on there. But to be honest, to be honest, trying to root out and neutralize Marxism in Europe was a valiant effort. It was a valiant effort. Of course, what, what was employed to go and try to achieve that end ended up with what we have right now. Because Gladio was then mutated and transported around the world to Asia, the Middle East, Central and South America, and now here. As you can see, this is it, the strategy of tension. Now, it's a strategy that is egging on what they want to be able to then frame as right-wing extremism that needs to be done away with and have everybody else too scared to even express a thought that could be linked with those groups, you can tell who's doing the egging and what they want to happen. But there was a thread back in 2021 that started a lot of talk about how the Civil War, a, a second Civil War, may start. Everybody has a theory, and this is a popular one that I want to talk about. So let's get to it. You lads have it all wrong. You think it's going to be some warlord militia grassroots, grassroots uprising, but it's actually much quicker and much simpler than that. The feds have been passing a lot of laws in red states, a lot of laws that red states do not like. This is apparent to most of you, such as the Alaskan, Idaho, and other red states laws. They have already said they will not comply with. Well, Missouri, that's another one. They will not comply with federal gun laws. Um, now we are looking at 50-plus percent capital gains tax which is more than double that of the old gains tax this is back last year remember april of last year red states will definitely have legislature ready for the moment it is signed into law to counteract the feds this is the beginning of a much deeper issue that is not going away the normie masses the federal government the lefties in this country believe in two things the embrace of get excited for the product, then get excited for the next product, and compliance. The commies, the normies, the cattle of this country thrive on compliance. It is not only superficial, this idea of complying with a co-opted co moral authority, that's co uh, corpus, feds, etc. The co-opted moral authority runs thick physically, spiritually, emotionally, and intel intelligent, uh, intelligently. Things such as get the jab have fuck all to do with the actual vaccine itself. It's about compliance. The normies need compliance. Their entire worldview functions on compliance. The moment someone steps outside of the groupthink approved compliance handed down from the moral authority, they instantly become the enemy. These cattle grazers could be turned into right-wing death squads in an instant if we had control. And the cultural manipulators know this, and that's why they are enacting draconian measures. So they come back, uh, come back with a, an addendum here. So how does the Civil War start, if not a shot heard round the world scenario? It's very simple, lads. 
A red state will pass a law that does not comply with the federal law. The ATF, FBI, CIA, IRS comes in, boots fucking strapped to detain some boomer who isn't complying. complying. What happens next is how the war starts. A red state who is past the point of no return orders the arrest of the federal agents who arrests one of its citizens. So a state trooper arrests some IRS agent because they are bound by state law and in turn the feds send in the federal police to arrest the state troopers. The state reacts by calling an emergency National Guard order to protect the state troopers from the feds. Other red states catch a whiff of the controversy and decide, fuck it, they are coming for us and activate their police force. National Guard, the militias go to, on, uh, go to hold the other red state who's getting crushed by the feds. Um, then this causes a response from blue states to defend the feds. I've actually seen this happen, too, in my head. Um, that and other things. I'll get to that in a second. The scenario could happen in a matter of fucking hours if the heat is hot enough. One reaction to the feds by a state who refuses to comply will inevitably turn into civil war. It will happen every single day. The feds clamp down harder and become more draconian, and then today they decide to do the unthinkable. They want to F with the boomers' money, and that will be the final straw. Biden has to know the scenario is coming. And due to the fact that the cultural manipulators are losing control, they have to act quickly and harshly or they risk the entire scheme. The red states know this. The blue states know this. The feds know this. Civil war may happen today, tomorrow, or five years from now. But I'm warning you that when the black swan moment happens, it will escalate in a matter of hours to days. Heed my warning and prepare. Now, the other thing that's going to be going on that we've spoken about on this show, if we're going to play this game and project and, you know, hypothesize a little bit here I uh, you also have to realize that there is there's the other factor of what civil war would look like in this country in this day and age and that is because the people who are mostly in charge of this country ideologically are the same types who ripped apart countries like South Africa that neo-marxist racist worldview with the race war angle there is going to be that that's what they're trying to enact, kind of environments that are they're trying to stoke in big cities and hopefully will bleed out to other places. And then you dare people to go and, um, and to shoot anybody that, that comes and attacks you and your families, tries to loot you and pillage, uh, especially if it is of a, of, a, of a racial makeup, if it's black versus white or if that's just what one particular scenario comes to, that will be exploited. It's all the same thing, but this in particular is how a big one, how it would actually rise above local skirmish and local disturbances into something a little bit more forceful. And it's totally possible because that is true. Any sheriff, your sheriff, wherever you are right now, your sheriff has the authority to arrest any fed, any federal agent, any federal employee who comes in to enforce a law that goes against the Constitution, either separation of states with the Tenth Amendment and state constitution. 100%. And what would the reaction to that be from those who want to make sure that nobody in this country actually internalizes that the real thing that has superiority over everything is the states and not this this, uh, federal superiority nonsense? Well, anyway, here we go back to June 25th, 2022. This is on the heels of Roe versus Wade. And here we go again. 
Hello, Anons. I would like to thank you for reposting my predictions so often. I have some thoughts to share with you all. The stage is being set for the Second World War. As we progress into the future, there are tension points in our country, in our country, in our society, that dictate where we are heading as a civilization. We have three tension points that were decided recently that will change the course of history forever. These tension points are Roe versus Wade being overturned, the red, flag, the red flag federal budget increase bill being signed into law, and SCOTUS's ruling on concealed carry. And even bigger, I think even bigger than all of those is the EPA ruling that I will be discussing tomorrow with Chris Ann Hall. Because though the Roe versus Wade uh, being overturned is... There is nothing that, that gets bigger than that from a moral standpoint as far as the salvaging of the national conscience. But the EPA thing we have not talked about at great length, and I would love to talk about that with uh, Chris Ann Hall because something like that could actually carry enough weight to dismantle the administrative state in, in ways that nothing else has. So what do these tension points mean? Back to the thread. And what does it mean for our future? We see a SCOTUS that follows constitutional law and gives power back to the people in the states. The Fed signing of the gun bill is divergent from SCOTUS as it gives much more power to the federal government. We are effectively widening the gap between the political parties and the population. We are beginning to see the rise of right-wing and left-wing guerrilla movements in the United States. The left-wing is backed by the feds and blue states, and the right-wing has control of rural America, red states, and now, for now at least, SCOTUS. Roe versus Wade has and will create the largest reshuffling of the American population in our country's history. We are witnessing a mass exodus of left-wingers from red states and right-wingers from blue states. In the past, our civil war was that of ideologies, and it was a battle inward and outwardly to see which values each side actually held. We are now seeing these ideologies become solidified between two camps. So what happens now that we have solidified ideology. The next practical step towards civil war in this country is the drawing of geographic lines. The war of the mind is coming to a close and the war of land is beginning. This is what I don't understand because it's just going to be a pockmarked map if that's the case. We will see red and blue strongholds become absolutely entrenched in their ideologies. Their political rivals will have to will have fled to safe havens in their respective camps. The geographic battle uh, will then begin. In the in the past, we had tension points of ideological differences, but now we have tension points of borders and land. The highway systems, the farmland, the water, and everything that defines geography is about to become that much more important. We will see states deny opposing states access to supplies, information, and technology soon. We will see skirmishes along with, uh, along with small border towns and highway choke points. Bleeding Kansas was pocked with small, uh, small disputes and battles from guerrilla groups just before the first civil war, and this will be no different. Ideology has been defined. Geography is in the process of being defined. Those who are stupid enough to stay in a state that doesn't hold their values will be slaughtered eventually. It bodes well for me. This is the last step before the war goes hot. War could start tomorrow, a few months or years, but heed my warning and know that geography will define the coming war zone. It's just that there is no... The haves. There's no... We don't have the top... The north versus the south anymore. It's just all over the place. You think of New Hampshire, for example, which is 
for all intents and purposes, a red state in the middle of blue New England. What the hell is that going to be like? But this is what has been put out there, and there's been plenty, plenty to be said afterwards. Uh, we don't have time to go through it afterward. I'll, I'll save this third part if we do any more of this in the second half of tomorrow's show, or we have the Zells coming on tomorrow. So any other time that we have bonus, there were some responses to this that I thought were pretty interesting. But at least you got the crux of it, the meat and potatoes. So let me go to the Super Chats, and we're going to get these done so I have time to pass you over to QuiteFrankly.tv for Mystery Movie Monday. First one up from a couple of minutes ago is Silky Johnson. Says, hey, Frank, I am the late 50s, early, uh, I'm the late 50s, early 60s. Weren't black family, wait, in the late, it's I, he put I'm. In the late 50s, early 60s, weren't black families on equal and sometimes greater economic growth that changed the set of particulars with LBJ that began incentivizing uh, fatherlessness households and other welfare options? Yes, I would go to, you know, I would go and listen and absorb everything you can, everything you can from Milton Friedman, um, Thomas Sowell, uh, I mean, Larry Elder, people like that. Jason Riley, wonderful people who have really laid out the distinction. Because remember, black Americans were heading into the 20th century with a handicap, 100%. Um, but that being the case, I think it was Larry Elder last week when we were watching that one clip of him debating an audience member on that very issue about b black American upward mobility from 1940 to 1960, how that gap closed about 20% economically, and how it was just, um, you know, poverty didn't destroy families nearly as much as government intervention and economic assistance plans did. So who knows where we would be right now if there wasn't a gigantic Marxist mechanism that was put in place to not only stunt the growth of black American families, but also that trickled down to uh, white and Hispanic families too. It's an entire system that nets everybody now. The ball and chain knows no race. So I would love to talk about that a little bit more, but I should bring on a guest for that. So they can just rattle off great history and we can just be amazed. But I also have to get some more Milton Friedman and all of them in the, quite frankly, TV routines there. Uh, let's see here. What's this? EP like Epi. Epi, like EpiPen. Says, Frank, my brother is visiting the Big Apple. Told him to check out War of Independence stuff. What was the, wa uh, what was the Washington that Matt went to? What was the Washington that Matt went to? Also, any recommendations for touring, things like that. Thanks, bro. Me and my brother listen all the time. Well, there's some great places in New York City. There are some great places in New York City. I mean, you can go to uh, down uh, in, in downtown. You can go to areas where Washington was sworn in. Some of the oldest pubs in America. Uh, up in Westchester, Westchester County and all around here, there's there's tons of Revolutionary War places to go. Tons. 
including the 76 House in Tappan, New York. You can go to the 76 House in Tappan, New York and have yourself a nice dinner inside the house where they kept, um, they kept John Andre prisoner before he was hung. And Washington ate there and drank there. In fact, the, the 76 House in Tappan, New York, they got a local brewery to brew the ale the recipe of the rest the same recipe from the ale that Washington often drank with people back so you can go to the Tappan house the uh, the 76 house in Tappan and have yourself an ale similar to that that George Washington ate there's tons of memorabilia and historical trinkets and artifacts inside of that place it's really cool and it's a it's a very very historic patriotic town so there's tons of things you can do but that's nice. That's a that's a good night out. And that's all we have on this end. That's all we have there. Let me go over to Rumble. Rumble Selling the Farm says another great show, Frank. Love the show. Selling the Farm, I always know and I don't take it for granted. I always know that when I ro- scroll through that chat, there you're going to be. Thank you so much Selling the Farm for that little Rumble rant on Foxhole. And remember, you have a couple minutes to get over to QuiteFrankly.tv and press play on Foxhole. And I just got the Mystery Movie Mondays tonight. Ready? Here's the riddle for what the movies tonight are going to be. Tonight's Movie Monday is going to be Neato. So keep off your pants and put on a Speedo. You may want some popcorn, some chips, or a Cheeto. So enjoy tonight's movie starring Danny... Ito, Danny Blebo, what, what, Danny, who could it be? I'm going blank. Danny, who is it? Do you guys know? Well, you're going to find out in a couple of minutes. Quite frankly, TV, get over there right now. Sean Joe and Stostube, cookies all around. Holy, wow, thank you so much. Cookies for all. Stostube is just throwing it out there. Boys Blanc says, I'm going to support you more. Always excellent. Thank you, boys. Thank you. Uh, let's see. Shout out to wonderful Cool Breeze 77 by Stostube. Jason Blocker says, I live near the world's biggest super volcano, a thousand times bigger than Mount St. Helens, Wawa Springs. Well, would the volcano make the clouds glow red for all the pilots that are passing overhead? Sean Joe and Witchy Poo with the cookies now. Uh, Witchy Poo says, how's Skip doing? Skip is doing all right. Every day is, uh, every day is, we're grateful for every day. Tomorrow he goes in for surgery again. They are removing a, um, a catheter that was going to be the original spot of dialysis that we, we, we think that, uh, that's really been the start of every infection that has come since then. It's been put in wrong twice, and now it's just going. So he's strong enough to go through with that. Obviously, he doesn't want to go under again because he's just... It's all just so... Um, the recovery process sucks, but... I mean, listen. Fingers crossed and praying a hell of a lot. And I will know a little bit more about the CAT scan they did of his abdomen tomorrow. Hopefully, the, the doctor calls me because I have to see what, what's going on with that. But soon, maybe he'll be able to start eating food. And then everything after that is rehab, 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 and getting used to everything else. I, 
can't tell you how miraculous this turnaround has been. And I have to keep telling him that because he doesn't understand. When he gets frustrated with, with the progress of things, I have to keep... He doesn't remember last Monday, a week from today. He doesn't remember it, any of it. So I, I got to keep putting that in perspective for him to let him know what's just sitting up and talking to me coherently is as far as miracles go. Uh, thank you for asking, of course. To all of you, I get a lot of lot of inquiries about Skip, and I appreciate that. And still, a lot of inquiries about my mother because she she had her uh, her little bump in the road a couple of a uh, few weeks ago, and thankfully she's feeling good. And everybody's on the mend. Everybody's doing okay. I can't wait for the day that my mom and Tony come back into the studio. Man, that'll be good. A little bit of normal. Uh, Optimus Grind, thank you so much for the cookie. Here comes uh, Just Because. Thank you, Just Because. That's Bob. Uh, Sean Joe, Witchy Poo. More cookies is what's for dinner. I wish it was. Good morning, Frank. Always great to hear from Rich Barris. Thank you. Good Monday. Good Monday. Sorry. The eyes. The eyes. That's from Stow Stube again. I'm out of cookies. They're going nuts. C. Blanche, Doug Simmy, Tom Ford, C. Blanche again. Uh, what else we got here? See you all tomorrow, says C. Blanche. And Dr. Hoffman says hugs for Aurora. Oh, I will give her one in the morning. No doubt about it. I'm releasing the scratching right now, but you guys and gals do not go anywhere. Because we're just going to have a lot of, we'll have a lot more fun to be had. And tomorrow's another day, ladies and gents. Chris Ann Hall is on. The Zells are on in the second half. So we got history. We've got constitutional analysis, and we have some other good stuff about breaking news from the, from the Supreme Court that we haven't gotten to. In the second half, we have updates on that crazy situation in Utah that we've been on the cutting edge of since the beginning. And uh, and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll have a good time. Indeed, we will. Thank you, guys and gals. Thank you so much. I will catch you. Catch you on the flip side. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is film for a live studio audience, and now our super chatters, starting with Silky Johnson, Epi, like EpiPen, and that's it. That's it. Mark Swan, that was from last week. Everybody else on Rumble and, of course, on Foxhole. The, uh, the support tonight has been wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you again to Rich Barris, People's Pundit Daily. See you tomorrow. Get over to QuiteFrankly.tv. Enjoy your night.